After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go. We are kicking. Watch the blue. There we go. Yeah, baby. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting. Please move it. Please move it. Please move it. I got to admit this. I made a mistake. I think I'm bang on this. I'm bang on. Okay, gentlemen, play ball. Watch it here. Good checking, guys. Good play. The weather is fresh and crisp. It's that that refreshing start to a new year. But Josh, I seem to feel we have some of the same old questions in this week's edition of the podcast. No, you're you're not going to tell me that that things like coaches challenges or missed calls or, or those types of things or player safety would come back around so soon in the new year, would you, Todd? Hard to believe, I know. It really is hard to believe, but yes, it has happened once again. This is the Scouting the Rest podcast. It's brought to you by Manscaped. With special savings available for you with our Manscaped partnership, you get 20% off by using our special code REFS, R-E-F-S. On your order, get 20% off plus free shipping. So welcome to 2022. The new year is underway. As, as, as we talked about last week, neither Josh or I really do New Year's resolutions. But what I do try and do is kind of either start the new year or, or more likely reestablish some positive routines. And one of those should be simple, effective, easy grooming routines, save time, keep things neat and tidy. And this is where Manscaped comes in. Now, a couple of days ago, you know, kind of let things go a little longer than they should. Not full Sasquatch or anything, but it happened. So grab the lawnmower 4.0. Didn't even have to charge it. It's fine. Zips through. Everything's great. Looking good. The underbrush had taken root, but nothing's nothing's terrible. So what I'm doing now is trying to get back into the regular routine. Quick cleanup when needed. The body wash is fantastic. Keeps you feeling fresh, smelling great. It's way easier to get back into that routine than trying to make some colossal life change. So Josh, let's remind everyone, just get back into your regular routine with Manscaped. If you haven't tried the new Manscaped products that someone got you for Christmas, well, shame on you because they gave it to you for a reason, don't you think? <laughs> Taking the hint a little bit. It's, it's great though, Todd, you're right. All the products have been great so far. I love the body wash. The smell's great. So not only you're feeling good, you're, you're smelling good. And it's funny you mentioned charging because I did have to charge mine for, I think, the first time Wow. Since they sent it. So you're you're looking at, at quite a bit of time there. And I said, man, this is it's been so convenient. It's so helpful. It's so handy to have there. And it, it's a great way to, like you said, you don't need a New Year's resolution to start things the right way in the new year. Go to manscaped.com, use the code REFS for your purchase, get 20% off, and get free delivery. Please make sure you're following us on our social channels. For Josh, it's at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, scoutingtherefs.com is the website. For me, it's at Todd Lewis Sports on both Twitter and Instagram. On this week's episode, Sam Bennett sits for three. Did anybody mention the refs dealing with the cold at the Winter Classic? A missed stoppage you can't challenge? A weird goal in Boston? And hey, Wes McCauley is mic'd up again. I think that just about covers everything, doesn't it? It's a lot, and it's a lot of fun stuff. Well, may maybe not for fun for the teams that were on the wrong end of those challenges, or suspensions for that matter. Yeah, even though we had the extended holiday break, we've got a bunch of interesting topics to get into. 
I do want to ask, there was so much talk about the Winter Classic and record cold temperatures in Minnesota. I mean, who'd have thought? Super cold in Minnesota in January, so you hold the Winter Classic at night when the sun goes down. Okay, maybe maybe that's just me, but the, the players, the coaches, they handled it. The benches were heated, even the ice was being heated, so to speak, but nowhere did I see anything about the officials who don't get the benefit of sitting on the benches for two-thirds of the game. How were they able to cope? Let's give a shout-out to Chris Rooney, Chris Lee, Kyle Murchison, and Ryan Galloway for doing a great job on this one. Yeah, no breaks there. You're working the full 60. The only chance they had to warm up was in between periods for a, a quick... 18 minutes in the in the campfire around the campfire there just warming the hands up a little but that's it it's it's brutal all you can do you've got to have layers you've got to have the head covering the the neck warmer there gloves which i don't know if you noticed all four officials wearing gloves which is certainly smart to keep the hands protected and to keep the hands warm because you gosh with it being that cold you'll lose a finger out there not much else you can do, Todd. Maybe some of the little hand warmer packs. You shove those in your gloves. You shove those in your in your skates under your toes, and that's about it. So it, it's tough for them. They absolutely don't get the credit they deserve, especially when dealing with conditions like that. Well done, guys. Okay, we've already had our first suspension of the new year. Panthers' Sam Bennett ran over Montreal Canadiens forward Cedric Paquette in a game in Sunrise. Paquette was cruising in front of his own net, turning up the ice, and Bennett steamrolled him, making significant head contact. I thought the video on this one, Josh, explained it pretty well. Had Bennett made contact with the near shoulder versus trying to go through him or kind of through his head to get to the far shoulder, then I don't know that this would have been much of anything. But I think three games is about right here. It is. You don't want to encourage anybody head hunting. And when you look at the NHL rulebook for illegal checks to the head, a lot of it is the line that you take when delivering the hit. And I think the video nailed it, and, and you covered it perfectly there, Todd. He had the option to deliver a legal body check. He had the guy lined up for that. And by missing the body, by missing the near shoulder, he ended up picking the head. And it's exactly what that rule is trying to get out of the game. In this case, Bennett failed to deliver a legal body check and instead picked the head, and he sits for three. It seems reasonable, and given what we've seen for legal checks to the head, that's right in line with what we expected. Now... There was there was another incident that I, I want to mention because it involved a hit that some thought should rise to the level of supplemental discipline. Giovanni Smith with a hit to the back of San Jose Sharks player Jacob Middleton. Smith got five in a game and some thought, as I mentioned, he'd get a call from player safety. Josh, I'm going to say something, but don't take it the wrong way. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think this is consistent. Now... I'm not saying it's right, but this wasn't the take a big run at a player, drive him headfirst into the boards. Smith seemed to slow up a bit. He didn't hit him directly into the numbers. Now, I'd be okay if there was a one-game suspension or something for this kind of hit, but dare I say it, the player safety people were consistent in how they ruled on this one or didn't rule on this one. I, I like that you called it consistent without saying they got it right. So careful <laughs> tiptoeing on that one, Todd. But yes, I, I see where you're coming from. I do agree. I think it was one of those plays where he was coming in on the hit. He saw the numbers. He slowed down and eased up. But you also had a play where Middleton appeared to keep his back to the player protecting the puck. So his body position certainly didn't help his case 
along the boards there. It, it could have been a legal hit if he turned as he was coming out. He instead stayed facing the boards with his numbers to Smith. Now, Smith could have pulled up or stopped completely. He did slow down noticeably. He uh, he delivered the check, but it was more of a, a bump with a small follow-through than really trying to pin the guy to the glass. So I think it's absolutely the right call to be penalized in the game, but I, I understand the lack of a suspension on this play. Like I said, or like you said, I could see one game for it, certainly not to the level that we saw on Bennett or some of the other hits that have happened this season, not nearly that egregious of a hit. So because there was no hearing and no punishment, there was also no video of explanation as to why this hit was not worthy of suspension. And there was another situation in a game involving the St. Louis Blues and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, there was a coach's challenge in this one regarding goaltender interference, and Pittsburgh scored on the ensuing power play. The challenge was unsuccessful, so it looked like Jordan Biddington initiated the contact, and, and he's the one who initiated the contact outside of the crease, so that's why there was no goaltender interference. But again, a little more clarity in the explanation as opposed to just saying there was no goaltender interference might be helpful here. Absolutely. I would love for the situation room to get to the level of detail that player safety has. And, and maybe it's not for every challenge, but I think there are some. This would be a good example of one where perhaps a little more explanation would be helpful for everyone involved, for fans, for broadcasters, for the teams, for Jordan Binnington to understand what exactly happened on that play. It. it it was one of those situations where there's definitely contact. We could see it in front. It's outside of the goal crease, and it did appear to be initiated by Bennington. He takes the catching glove. He pushes out in front, makes contact with Crosby, and then Crosby scores an instant later. So, yeah, there's no question that there was contact on the play. It's just where did it happen? Who initiated it? And, and those types of details make all the difference, especially when it comes to goaltender interference, because in this situation, we're looking at Incidental contact outside of the goal crease, not sufficient enough to disallow a goal. And we've also got the case where if the goaltender is initiating it, it's not going to be treated as goaltender interference. So where it happened, how it happened, I think laying that out there for fans, for broadcasters, I think it'll let everyone understand why the decision went the way it did. And even for the Blues bench, so they understand why maybe this is a play that you wouldn't want to challenge in the future. I guess the difficult part is explaining that goaltender interference is almost always going to come down to some sort of judgment. Isn't the person viewing it or the persons viewing it say, no, that's not goaltender interference. And, and, and I think that's the difficult part about doing a video for each one. Yep, you're absolutely right. And, and I don't think we can ever get to the level to satisfy everyone on those types of judgment calls because it, it does come down to that. What we can do is at least educate people on what the rule is when the officials make this decision. What What is the rule that they're considering? And maybe you agree or disagree with how it was interpreted or what the final outcome is, but at least you can get some context around why they've decided what they have. And that's why Don Koharski's on the broadcast. That's why Dave Jackson is on the broadcast. And, and the, frankly, Todd, that's why we're here too, because somebody needs to try to fill in that gap where we won't make you necessarily happy with the decision, but we can help you understand. We're here to serve is what you're saying. Absolutely. The Scouting the Rest podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Special savings are available for you at manscaped.com with the code REFS. Use it for your order, save 20%, and get free shipping. A couple of days ago, we had the GOAT of the official's announcement, Wes McCauley, with another brilliant penalty call. 
Wes McCauley doing his thing. I know he's one of a kind, and I love that he's comfortable showing his personality. Not everyone is in the same manner. But Josh, I hope we start to see more of this from officials. We keep hearing the call for players to show more personality. Why not refs? In fact, I'll go even a step further to the linesmen who work so hard. Go ahead and get a little more demonstrative when calling that icing <laughs> or, or the bold hand gestures. I'm okay with that. I want to see this sort of stuff. You know, and that's something that I think the, the NHL wasn't embracing as much. We lost names off the back of the sweaters after 95, and there was this movement towards not necessarily showing as much personality. We had helmets go on. We lost the names, all of that. So it's nice to see Wes doing it. Like you said, it doesn't have to be something everyone does, but it's it's something that the guys who want to or the guys who feel that they can offer a little bit more. And, and I would love to see it. You know, it's not about making the officials the show. They're doing their job out there. And, and I don't see any harm in them having a little fun with it. I mean, we're not the no fun league. It's not something where we're going to ban sellies after goals and, and we shouldn't prevent officials from having a little fun as well. Everybody looks forward to Macaulay doing it. I'd love to see other guys embrace that and, and do it a little bit more and just find their their own style. Mike Lego had some memorable comments along the way. You know, Macaulay's good for that. We've had a bunch of officials who've had some moments here and there, and, and those are often welcomed and celebrated by the hockey community. So let's see more of them and let's see more of the fighting punches being thrown with the fighting calls. And that is part of the rule book. That wasn't just Wes improv. That was rule 2911 did add the official hand signal for fighting. So throwing those little air punches, which Wes has always done a great job with. Koharski did it before he retired. O'Halloran was good at it. Always fun to see when the, when they get a little animated, like you said. Those are the kinds of punches we want to see thrown. Absolutely. Okay. Now, a couple of nights ago, I sent you a text about this one. It was during the Bruins and Devils game. And Boston forward Oscar Steen scored his first ever NHL goal in a highly unusual manner. During the play, the puck flies up onto the net on top of the jersey goal. Steen then pops the puck into the air from inside the net with his stick. It jumps up, bounces off the Devils goaltender and into the net. This one caused a bit of confusion at first, seeing which player touched the puck. Is it a legal goal? So, Josh, the first question, is the play dead when the puck lands on top of the netting at the top of the goal? It is not. The puck is still live at that moment. And Rule 85-2 allows for the puck to be played off the goal netting by either team with the caveat that if it remains there for more than three seconds, the official will blow the whistle. So, live puck, play on. Okay, so the next question that comes up is, would this perhaps have been a high stick hitting the puck, sending it up over the, the crossbar before it landed into the net? It could be, and that, that could be an interesting that could be an interesting case there of, of reviewing for that based on where the netting is relative to the crossbar. If the stick contacts the puck, it should be at or below crossbar height when it initially makes contact. In this case, I don't think Steen actually hit the puck at all. I think his stick made contact with the netting and that movement is what lifted the puck up and out and ultimately in. I was wondering the same thing because I watched, I don't know how many replays of it and I wasn't sure that he actually made contact with the puck, which also begs the question, would it really be his goal? Technically speaking, it shouldn't. I mean, I don't I don't want to take his goal away. I don't no. I don't want to see him lose his first goal, but it is the player who propelled the puck into the opponent's goal. He didn't make contact with it, but he did make contact with the net which propelled it in, 
yet he wasn't the last player to touch it. So it's a it's a tricky one there. And I think that was one of those plays where, you know what, we're, we're not going to dig too hard into this one. Enjoy the goal, Steiner. And it's a good story that he'll be able to tell forever. I think I'm yeah, I think we made the right call in allowing him to keep that goal. Hey, it's there, the, it's the latest generation of the Michigan, right? Now we're just going to There you go, right? And, <laughs> <laughs> so we got this one. This one will be the Steen, right? Because you yes. put the puck comes off the top of the net and in the goal. Okay, I like that. I like that. There was another there was another play involving the the Devils in Boston. Uh referee rescinded a delayed minor penalty for tripping after consultation with the other referee and no video review. The front referee said no call. The back official said, uh, the back official called it, um, but it did look like the New Jersey player was the one who stepped on the puck. So I've, I've seen this once or twice before that the play is whistled and a penalty is going to be called, but after a consultation, they realize, you know what? The right call is no call and they let it go. I like when referees do this. Yeah, it's smart when they can. It's great when you've got the opportunity to discuss the play with your teammates on the ice, talking about the officiating teammates, that is, and say, you know, did you have a better angle on this play? Did you see something that I didn't? It looked like a trip. And when you've got one official who calls it a trip and the other official who says, no, I I clearly saw his skates. He stepped on the puck. He fell down. It's great that they have the opportunity to wipe that penalty off the board. This is not a situation where they can review it via video replay or anything like that. But we've got four guys on the ice. Each has a different perspective. Some of those views are obstructed. Some of them are crystal clear. And and that would be why the one referee didn't call it, because he did have a clear view of the play. So you're trying to cover spots. You're trying to catch anything that's going on. You're trying to fill in the blanks there. And sometimes you get situations where the perspective of the official determines the right call. And that's why I'm glad that they huddled up, they had the discussion, and they made the right call at the end of the day. Devils had a busy week because they were also involved in another long, drawn-out review process in a game with the Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton scored a goal on a delayed penalty. The strange part, when the review concluded, nearly 10 minutes after the puck went into the net, the goal was allowed to stand and there was no penalty to the Devils for initiating this challenge. That's because after all was said and done, this was not a play that could be challenged. So, okay, so let's unpack a few different pieces of this. The play was in the devil's end. Devils were being called. Oilers maintained possession. But on an errant pass attempt, the devil's defenseman Dougie Hamilton swiped and made contact with the puck. I believe there was also another touch of the puck. But the Oilers collected it, and a couple of passes later, it was in the net. So does not knocking the puck with your stick determine possession, first of all, Josh? It does determine possession because you are the last player to have made contact with the puck, but it doesn't necessarily determine that you've had control of the puck because you haven't Mm. necessarily influenced it in, in a way that indicates that you have control. So it may be possession, but not quite control, which would be justification for not blowing the whistle. Okay, so the goal does happen. And there, as I said, is a very lengthy review. However, this was not a challengeable play. And I'm not sure why it took so long to determine this. But at the end of it, They said that this was not a play that could be challenged and there was no penalty assessed to the New Jersey Devils 
in this case, but that may have happened or has happened in some other cases. Right. We've seen situations where they've challenged for a missed stoppage and the particular situation wasn't applicable under the rule. This one was a bit more of a gray area, Todd, and I think that's why, A, it took so long, and B, there was no penalty assessed on the play. Rule 3810 covers missed game stoppages when you can challenge, and it does say that potential infractions would include, but are not limited to, a hand pass, puck played with a high stick, puck out of bounds. So that's not all inclusive. The mm. one thing that it does leave as an exception is a missed penalty call if they thought they missed a trip and that that should have resulted in a stoppage, that is out of scope for this. So you can't challenge for that. But touching the puck on a delayed penalty call could potentially fall under this. It, like I said, it's not excluded. It says that the rule is not limited to just these situations. So looking at it that way, when you actually dig into the rule, it seems reasonable to have challenged this one. And I think that's what took so long was that the deliberation was partially did they touch the puck and should there have been a stoppage? And then do we want to consider that this is the type of play that would fall under this rule? It's not black and white. It's not clear whether or not that's included in there. And I think that's why they had to deliberate on it. I think this comes down to me and hopefully they'll be consistent with it. This is like a Supreme Court ruling, right? We've we've had the rule tested here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we've, we've seen now that a whistle for a delayed penalty could not be a missed game stoppage event and and maybe the rule book will be modified in the future to specify that that is excluded from this rule but how vague the rule is on what is and isn't captured in this i think that was part of the deliberation it was not only what was the call but hey does this rule apply to this situation and and that's why we've seen precedent set that a missed touch on a delayed penalty call does not appear to apply to this situation it is an interesting game situation, that's for sure. Okay, one more quick one, because it was it made for a good video clip, first of all. Gerard Gallant getting mad behind <laughs> the New York Rangers bench. The, the play was whistled down because the Rangers net had become dislodged. The Rangers were heading up the ice. So the faceoff gets returned to the defensive zone for the New York Rangers. And because it's their goal that has been dislodged, they are not allowed to change players. The refs did a check with the official scorer as to who was on the ice, but apparently Coach Gallant disagreed with the numbers that were listed in front of him and reluctantly put those players back on the ice. Tampa scored immediately after, and I can only imagine his temper and blood pressure went up even further. Oh my gosh, he, he looked like he was about to take somebody's head off there. Referee Graham Skilleter's at the bench. He's got the paper in front of him, and, and you see Gallant not, not only screaming in the official's face, but actually takes a swipe, and I don't know if he was trying to smack the list out of his hand or grab the list from him, and Gallant makes contact with Ryan Reeves, who... Not somebody you want to smack in the face. No. But <laughs> I guess Reeves so. let it go because he's in charge of his ice time. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess you, you got to bite your tongue there. You got to turn the other cheek on your coach there on that inadvertent smack. But he's lucky. Gallant, that is. I imagine with that interaction and just looking back at it, that he had to be extremely close to an abusive official's penalty. And not necessarily a physical one, but certainly verbally for what was coming out of the bench there. So, uh, I mean, nice to see the restraint by Graham Skilleter, understanding the, the heat of the moment and what was going on and to not assess that two minutes, which would have certainly caused Gallant to blow his top. And, and not that it wouldn't have been deserved, but, you know, you have to manage those those situations appropriately and understand and, and read the room and say, you know what? Is he blowing off steam or is he really coming at me and and attacking me? And is this really an abusive official's call? So uh, 
interesting situation there. And given the the Rangers' recent track record with comments on officiating, uh, a lucky one that nothing more has come out of it. <laughs> you mean like a two hundred fifty thousand dollars fine, right? Ka-ching. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can see that would be different. But you, you love the personality of Gerard Gallant. We talked about it with the, the officials too. And this is a bit of a, a left turn, but hear me out on this one in terms of personality for the officials. You know how the LA Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights have those shiny, sparkly uh, helmets, the chrome helmets? Yeah. Maybe we need that for the refs. No, are we are we giving every ref that or are we are we giving special refs the the golden helmet like like we've seen in some of the Euro leagues for uh, for referee of the know, year? Wes McCauley wears it this week and then we see who uh, who does something remarkable for next week and he gets to hand it off to uh, a different official. And I like that the, the way the players do for the player of the game yes. or I, I think that's a great idea. It can travel around from crew to crew and oh, Wes has the golden helmet tonight. Can't, can't argue with that. I love that idea. (laughs) The Scouting the Refs podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code REFS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code REFS. That's R-E-F-S. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. 